Good morning, Elevation. For those of you who may not know me, my name is Melody and I work with our emerging generations. That's our youth and kids. And since the last time I spoke with you in the winter, I married Josh, who just read scripture for us. And we've moved out to a place in the country between New Hamburg and Shakespeare. We had one of those COVID weddings and I thought I'd share a couple of photos with you. The pandemic creates some unique challenges and also some unique opportunities. And so while we weren't able to have maybe as many people as we would have liked to have there, we had some unique guests show up as you can see. So I hope that whatever your summer has held so far, that there have been moments of laughter at the unexpected joys that come from those situations that maybe don't go exactly the way that we planned. Over the summer, we've been looking at stories of heroes of faith, and it's my pleasure to share a few thoughts with you this morning as we continue in our series by faith. I'd just like to pray as we begin. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing to you. Holy Spirit, would you, uh, would you open our hearts and our minds uh, to whatever you might want to say to us this morning. In Christ's name, amen. So we're exploring the, the uh, 11th chapter of Hebrews in this, in this series, and the writer begins by describing to us what faith is, saying that faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. And then the writer goes on to point to characters throughout the biblical story as examples of faith. Scholars believe that the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish followers of Jesus, and so this means that they would have been very familiar with these stories of their forefathers and mothers. This chapter reminds these followers of Jesus what it looks like to live by faith, and reminds them that they are part of this whole crowd of people throughout time, making up the people of God. And it offers the same invitation to us this morning. Today we're looking at the story that is referred to in Hebrews 11:29. It says, It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea, as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. Throughout this series, we've been looking primarily at individual stories of faith, stories of Abraham, Moses, but today, we're, here, we're seeing an example of faith in a community, faith acted out in a group. And so I want to explore that idea a little bit this morning to discover what this account of the Israelites' faith might teach us about God, about ourselves, and about the life of faith that we live out with one another. To find the full account of this story, we'll turn back in our Bibles to the second book of the Hebrew Scriptures, Exodus. But before we dive into the specifics of this story, I think it's helpful to locate ourselves uh, in the overall biblical story. So let's do a quick survey. God's story starts in Genesis 1 with an account of God creating the whole world by speaking it into existence, bringing order to the chaos of the formless, empty earth and the darkness covering the face of the deep. God fills the creation with light, with plants, animals, and finally humans, made in the image of God and tasked with the responsibility to care for this world that God has made. 
Here, God dwells with his people in a beautiful relationship. It's Eden. It's very good. The world as it's meant to be. But this doesn't last long, and as we turn the page to Genesis 3, we see a breakdown in the humans' relationship with one another and with God, leading to their banishment from Eden into a world of suffering, of pain, and of brokenness. The stories that follow in Genesis tell of God's continued faithfulness to humanity, even as they choose again and again not to trust God and to define good and evil for themselves. As Brandon described a few weeks ago, God calls one family to partner with him in bringing blessing to the whole world when he calls Abraham to take his family and go to the land that God will show him. The rest of Genesis tracks the generations of this family, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's sons, with all their moments of faith and their moments of failure. At the end of the book of Genesis, we find Joseph, or Jacob's family moving to Egypt, welcomed by Pharaoh and by Joseph, who's just saved the entire nation of Egypt by listening to God. And the Israelites are given land to settle down on and prosper in Egypt. At the beginning of the book of Exodus, we find that years have passed and Pharaoh has died and been replaced by a new Pharaoh who knows nothing of the indebtedness of the Egyptians to Joseph's family, and so he enslaves them. You likely know this story. God hears the cries of his oppressed people in slavery, and he rescues them, raising up Moses to lead them out of Egypt. Our story for this morning picks up with the Israelites right after they have left Egypt. Although Pharaoh had told the Israelites to leave Egypt, he changes his mind. Perhaps he is, is realizing that their society was based on a system that required slaves, and now all his slaves are gone. Whatever his reason for changing his mind, Pharaoh gets in his chariot, calls for an army of charioteers to join him, and sets off in pursuit of the Israelites. In verse 10 of Exodus 14, we read that as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. Fair enough, I think I would be panicking too. Then we read, they cried out to the Lord, and then they turned to Moses. Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. The Israelites give us such an accurate picture, an honest picture of human nature here, don't they? When we encounter scary situations or when things don't go as we plan, how often do we turn to others or to God and say, why did you bring us here? Why did you bring me here? Moses replies to the people and encourages them to have faith. He says, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then God tells Moses to have the people get moving. He instructs Moses to pick up his staff and raise his hand out over the sea, which will divide the waters so that the Israelites can walk right through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And they do. It's wild. 
Let's try to imagine ourselves in this situation for a moment. There's an army of people coming behind us, wanting to take us back to a life of backbreaking manual labor. In front of us is a body of water, and our leader tells us he's going to raise his staff and we're going to walk through the water on dry ground. I think if I was standing in this crowd of people, I would be thinking, um, I have a few questions. I see a few potential issues with this plan. Moses told the people not to be afraid. He encouraged them to trust God. I have to wonder, who was the first person who volunteered to walk first? How much encouragement do you think some of them needed? Maybe for some of them, it was a great adventure, while others were being asked to enact their worst nightmare. So many different experiences for the individuals, but as a community, they had faith, and every last one of them walked through the sea on dry ground. I was reflecting on my own life and wondering if there's any experience that I've had that would give me even the tiniest little taste of this group experience for the Israelites. In my mid-20s, I had the incredible opportunity to work for a, a gap year travel discipleship program called Out of Town. Along with three other leaders, I led uh, group, groups of 20 to 30, 18 to 22 year olds on an eight month adventure of service and learning in community across Western Canada and Guatemala. Students engaged in all kinds of activities and experiences designed to challenge them to know God, know themselves and know the world. From canoe trips to lectures to living with host families in Guatemala and learning about the experiences of those living on the downtown east side in Vancouver, these students were invited to explore their faith within this little community of young adults. One of the adventures that we had was going caving in Hope, BC. We arrived at the entrance of the caves, donned our coveralls and hard hats and headlamps, and were split into small groups, our little community for caving. The guide told us that we were to go and explore the caves however we'd like, with one condition, we must stay together. As we entered the caves, it was clear why we needed to stay together. One person simply could not do this on their own. I needed help from others when my coveralls got caught on a rock and I was completely stuck. We needed a hand to make the jumps across the gaps between the rocks. We needed the information that others who were ahead of us had because they could see things that we couldn't. I needed those who were smaller than me to try fitting through these small spaces to see if there was a path forward for us. We needed the encouragement of one another when the tight spaces felt like they were getting tighter or the darkness felt scary. We needed to know that we, are, we were not alone. It required faith acted out with others to find our way through the caves and onto dry ground, or in our case, above ground. This movement in the Israelite story wraps up with God saving the Israelites from their Egyptian enemies. As the Egyptians follow the Israelites into the sea, once all the Israelites have crossed through safely, the waters return to their place and wipe out the entire Egyptian army. On the other side of the sea, free and safe, the Israelites sing a song of praise to God. They have had a collective experience of deliverance from God and they praise him together. 
So let's circle back to Hebrews 11.1, 1, where we read that faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. I think that this kind of faith requires us to have faith alongside others. The life of faith is simply not something that we can do alone. And this reality brings about both beautiful gifts and challenges. One of the gifts that I think we find when we live our faith in community is that we can be upheld by the faith of others when we find our own faith waning. I like to refer to the life of faith because it reminds me that just as in my own life where I experience days of joy and days of sadness, of inspiration and boredom, of hope, of despair, so too my life of faith is filled with mountains and valleys and everything in between. In our society that places so much emphasis on the individual, I think we can absorb the idea that this applies to our faith life too, that we need to muster up faith within ourselves for every day. And while I think that our personal life of faith is very important to cultivate, one of the gifts that we find is in the community is that we can lean on the faith of others when we are struggling to hold on to it ourselves. Just as Moses encouraged the Israelites to have faith and to trust God when they looked back and saw the Egyptians closing in on them, so we too need others around us to have faith on our behalf when we don't have it for ourselves. I've been reading a book over the summer by Tish Harrison Warren, who's an Anglican priest. This book is called Prayer in the Night, and in it she is exploring the beautiful power of the liturgical uh, nighttime prayer Compline and how this prayer has shaped her faith. There was a line that stuck out for me as I was thinking about what it means for us to have faith in community. She writes, but over a lifetime, the ardor of our belief will wax and wane. This is a normal part of the Christian life. Inherited prayers and practices of the church tether us to belief far more securely than our own vacillating perspective or self-expression. While she is speaking specifically about the liturgical prayers of the historical church and how those have sustained her faith, I think her words apply whether or not we're in the habit of praying the liturgy. First of all, she acknowledges that over time our faith ebbs and flows. And did you catch this? It's normal. In seasons where we feel our belief waxing and waning, we don't need to beat ourselves up and try harder we can actually find an invitation to lean into the community, our local faith community and the larger body of Christ community throughout time to tether us to our belief. The reality is that our personal emotions, experiences and faith are going to experience many ups and downs throughout our life. That's what it is to be human. And this is one of the reasons why we so desperately need to anchor our faith in a community of Christ followers. We need the faith of others to support us and spur us on when we cannot muster the faith on our own. The inverse is also true. The seasons where we experience strong faith are an opportunity for us to be that someone that others can lean on. Again, we see the example of Moses hearing the Israelites' fear and their lack of faith, encouraging them to trust God. He speaks the words of hope and faith when they are filled with doubt. And we need to be available to offer um, our, our faith to our community when there are those struggling around us. 
Another gift of faith and community is that we get to bear witness to one another's lives and to tell our stories and God's story back to one another to remind us who we are. I think that the Israelites can teach us some really important things about this. Right before the Israelites leave Egypt, God gives them instructions for the first Passover meal. God was going to bring judgment on the Egyptians by, uh, sorry, through the death of every firstborn in their households. The Israelites would be spared by taking the blood of a perfect lamb and putting it on their doorposts, and then the angel of death would pass over that house. God gives instructions for the Israelites to prepare a meal that will become a yearly ritual for them. Moses tells the people, When you enter the land the Lord has promised to give you, you will continue to observe this ceremony. Then your children will ask, What does this ceremony mean? And you will reply, It is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt, and though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. This act of deliverance that the Israelites experienced, freedom from their slavery in Egypt and crossing through the Red Sea to safety, this was a story that the people would revisit each year, reminding one another of God's faithfulness to them and passing on that faith to the next generations. Our communities can play this role in our faith lives too. I've had the privilege of tracking with some incredible women over the, year, over the years my home team, as I call them, and I am struck over and over again by the profound role that they play in anchoring me in my story within God's larger story in the world. I can get lost in the details of day-to-day -day life, running frantically from one thing to the next. And I need these women who have witnessed my journey, the tears and frustration, the joys and delights, the learning, the ways God has been present to me and at work in big ways and in small. I need them to tell my story back to me when I have lost perspective, to remind me of who I am and where my identity and value as a child of God truly lies. I need them to notice themes or patterns and to listen with me for the voice of God when I cannot hear over the noise of my life and I have the privilege of doing the same for them. This is another gift of faith and community. We have those around us who bear witness to our faith lives and who remind us of who we are and who God is when we lose perspective. Just as the Israelites shared the Passover together every year to remind them of their place in God's story, so too we need the community of faith to keep reminding us of our faith journey and our place in God's story. Each Sunday in our call to worship, we hear the words, we're gathering around our city and beyond this morning as a community called together by God. We want to respond to God's activity in our lives and recenter ourselves in the story of Jesus. This is a collective activity, something we do together within the community as a way to remind ourselves who we are, where God is at work, and whose story we are a part of. We need to be honest and acknowledge that faith in community is hardly a picture of us all standing together, hand in hand, in perfect harmony. Faith in community is hard because a community is made up of individuals, each bringing their own strengths, their brokenness, their differing perspectives, and this creates some challenges. 
from the early followers of Jesus who wrestled with food laws and circumcision requirements for Greek followers of Jesus, to the schism between the Orthodox and Catholic streams of the church, the Reformation, and now our own point in church history. Faith and community has always been hard. Perhaps that is why Paul, in his letter to the Ephesian church, wrote, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Paul reminds us that following Jesus is a communal experience. We are one body. May the Holy Spirit give us strength and courage and grace for the call to live our faith alongside others. So Elevation family, perhaps these thoughts on living faith and community feel a little out of place as we're coming to the end of our second pandemic summer. So many of the ways that we historically have lived our faith lives together have not been open to us these past 17 months. And as we look forward, we are praying for the Spirit to guide us as we imagine new ways that we are invited to live the life of faith as a community. I want to encourage you to reflect this morning and ask how the Spirit might be inviting you to share your life of faith with the community. Perhaps you find yourself in a season where you cannot muster much faith on your own. Friend, you are welcome here. Lean on the faith of the community. Perhaps you are feeling full and connected to the Lord. Reach out to others in the community who may need to lean on you. Maybe you can allow someone to bear witness to your faith journey in a deeper way and invite them to remind you of who you are and the, way that your the ways that your life fits into God's beautiful story. And I want to invite you to pray alongside our steering committee and staff as we seek ways that God is inviting our faith community to lean on one another and encourage one another's faith in this next season. The path ahead may not feel clear, Perhaps you feel like you're standing in front of a big body of water and you don't know how to proceed. But together, we'll put our faith in the Lord and trust that he will lead us through on dry ground. So I'd like to invite you to join us um, or your neighbors groups for discussion following the live stream. This is a great way that we can uh, share our life of faith in community in our virtual spheres. So if you are part of a neighbors, neighbors group, you should have received an email with a link to that call. And if you're new around here, or if you don't know what neighbors group you are a part of, there is a link in the comments below that will take you to a group who would love to have you join them this week. All right, let me pray for us as we go. God who brings us through on dry ground, I thank you for the gifts and the challenges of living the life of faith and community. As we look to the season ahead, may you guide us as we imagine ways that we can be the community of faith together. Would your spirit give us strength and courage to trust you? In Christ's name, amen. Grace and peace to you.